Hey! Whoa! What's going on there, Styles? What's up, Why, fellas? Where are you? Are you are you at a coffee shop? No, no. I'm at the 1018 Club at Augusta, getting ready for the Masters starting tomorrow. 1018 Club is um, it's it's pretty spectacular. I'm in one of the bars areas of this uh, hospitality club, and then they have five different bars, and they have they have food stations with five different chefs all over cooking you all sorts of breakfast stuff. It's just sick. And you can see behind me, they got master's stuff going, you know? So you, are you at the actual golf course right now? No, just outside the, just outside the, just outside the ground. So if I go out of here, go up the street about the, you know, a couple hundred yards, it's right across the street, right in. Are you staying in, in a, in a house, hotel, no, staying in a house. Uh, our company Skyline has uh, rented five houses, bringing a bunch of clients here. So I'm going to be here Wednesday to Sunday and then going to play golf for a couple days here down in Augusta. So I wish I was wow. playing the big course, but I'm playing Sage Valley on Monday, which is kind of the sister course to Augusta. The gentleman who owns Sage Valley tried to get into Augusta a long time ago, failed, and said, so he said, okay, well, then I'm just going to go build my own Augusta. And he built Sage Valley right down the street. So how many members, how many members belong to Augusta? That's a good question. I, I have no idea. Hey, hey, how many how many members does Augusta have? Members? I think uh, under, under five hundred. So they, it's a it's a normal, I guess a normal um uh for for a country club. But yeah. Still, have you? Have you? It's, well, it's, out of those five hundred golfers, yeah, yeah, out of those five hundred members, I bet you some of those members play the course once a year. If that, if, if they that. play it once a year, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's the most prestigious golf course and country club maybe on the planet. Yeah. But you know the rules there. If you if the members talk about the rules. They talk about what, how many people are there. If they talk about what their dues are, if they talk about anything about Augusta, then you will be kicked out of Augusta and you'll never be in. If you're asked to be a member of Augusta, you will never be a member of Augusta. It's invitation only. Uh, th- this, this group is insane. Uh, you look around uh, this whole area and it's controlled by the country club of Augusta. It so is basically, if they have to pay, pay for balls. by the way no you know what's really crazy about augusta is everything costs exactly what it costs to make or when it came about so you can buy a bottle of canis say special select from 1982 and pay what it cost back in 1982 so you you probably pay what 40 dollars for a bottle of wine and In there, it's ninety cents for uh, you know for their legendary egg salad sandwiches, or it's it's crazy prices once you get inside of Augusta. It's not expensive once you get in. It's trying to get in that is the hard part. Do you have any idea what it costs to join Augusta? No idea. No, no, nobody knows because you can't. Tell, nobody can tell anybody. So it's all just a big mystery. So basically, wow. it, go, it goes something like this, Jr. First rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Is that kind of how? That's, how it, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because if it gets <laughs> if it gets out, 
if it gets out that you told somebody what it costs or what your dues are or anything like that, you're going to be out and nobody wants to ruin an opportunity to be a member of Augusta. Right. So have you ever, have so you ever JR, played? Have, oh, hold on, Riv, 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 you know what? Listen, I mean, you're asking all the you're questions talking enough already. I have a, I, I, I need to go off what I comes into my brain. Cause I'm going to forget about it. I just watched you have a nice little uh, cocktail there. I'm wondering if yep. that's just straight, uh, you know, tomato juice or is that a little bloody no, Mary? That's, that's, that's my 1018 bloody Mary starting off. Oh, yeah. Off. Yep kicking off my my master's weekend and doing it with style because it is going to rain today they canceled the par three tournament this morning and i'm sure that the guys are going to be kicked off the off the course at some point today because of the rain on their practice rounds so it is a drinking at the 1018 club and it's going to be a good start to the weekend and i'll tell you you can't bring you can't bring phones under the golf course if they see a phone they take your badge and you'll never get back in ever again and there's no running on Augusta. So if you want to run to a place to get a spot, or if you want to run to try to get in line to, for a, you know, to get a spot at the green to watch, if they see you running, they take your badge and ask you to leave, and they do not let you back onto the grounds. I'll tell you, you have to be on your best behavior when you're uh, around. Even the golfers get. I, I read an article uh, recently. Even the golfers get shit for doing things right. Like I mean, there are golfers that have been you know, slapped on the wrist and penalized for just for breaking the rules, sure. not even related to the rules of the PGA golf tournament. Sure. Uh, well, listen, they don't care who you are. A uh, perfect example. Um, Phil Mickelson is not here. And, you know, Augusta, from what I understand, asked Phil, um, probably not a good idea for you to come. You're not welcome to come this year. So what did he do? Oh, I know why. I know why that, I know why I, uh, I know why. Oh, he did that whole yeah. interview where he yeah. totally ripped the PJ tour, uh, lost all of his sponsorships. Um, Callaway dropped them. Uh, KP, KPMG dropped them all these yeah. crazy, crazy sponsorships because of the, the book, I guess, and the, and the things that he said about the PJ tour when talking about, being asked to play in that new Saudi Arabia tour that everybody was talking about. So it was a, it was a bad, bad situation for Phil. It's going to be hard for him to jump back from that one. Yeah. I, I remember reading about that. That was, there was a lot of uproar about that. Are you, are you dressed appropriately for Augusta? What's the dress code to get in there? I'm not saying you look good, but no, I'm just saying, no. are you okay to get in there? No, not today. Cause I'm not going into the grounds today. Today was um, specifically coming to, hang out with my buddies here at the uh, 1018 club and it's going to be just a casual hangout day tomorrow. I will be dressed up to the nines, making sure that I look much Augusta like with my, my golf gear on. But right now I'm in jeans. I got a t-shirt, I got my hat, got my bloody Mary and I got my voice. There's, there's no better way to start today. Uh, have you ever played Augusta? I have I played it back in 1998 um, with a friend. I took it. It was a birthday present for a friend of mine. We flew in on his private jet, played 18, uh, played 54 holes here at Augusta. Uh, we played from six o'clock in the morning until the sun. We couldn't see the sun that night and then jumped on the plane, flew to Pinehurst and played Pinehurst number two the next day and then flew home. It was one of the coolest golf trips of all time. You should have been documenting your entire career, like just the life of JR on camera. I've never, I don't think I know anybody, anybody 
that has experienced the shit that you've experienced in your life because of, well, who you are. I, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot that would be a lot that I would be amazed at watching myself and a lot I would get in trouble for and a lot that I would be uh, happy to share and a lot that I wouldn't be happy to share, but you're, you're right. My, if I documented my life, like they did with the bulls when they did the bulls <laughs> with a camera following me, but, but only Man. yours wouldn't be called the last dance. It would be called let's dance. Yeah. Have you ever thought no, it about be, it writing be, a book? It would be let, let's dance to the last dance. That would be it. <laughs> Have you ever thought about writing a book, JR? I've wrote, written two. I've written two books. Yep. That both, both, um, both were very good sellers. Um, actually, the first book that I wrote, Ribs, you would really enjoy. It's kind of my life in the locker room. And it was, I think we sold about 450,000 copies. It was really, really well, well sold. And it was, I'll tell you a little bit of story about it. There was an article in Sports Illustrated. It was called the Numbers Edition. And I was in the Numbers Edition. I was one of these, uh, one of these comparisons that, Jeremy Roenick's book says fuck 596 times, whereas 50 Shades of Grey says fuck 444, 544 times. So they, they compared my book with F-bombs in relation to the most popular sex book, 50 Shades of Grey, which I won. So it's, it's, it's quite um, What's the book called, there? Uh, it's, um, my life is the hardest hitting, most outspoken man in hockey. Long title. Okay. I got to my oh. life. <laughs> it's a, my Craig's life trying to it. write it down. Craig's going to read yeah. it. The hardest hitting, most outspoken man in hockey. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's fast and entertaining reading. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Okay, so here here's my only question about Augusta this week. Can Tiger Woods win? I am going to watch this tournament from start to finish until he's done. Well, I listen, you can never count out Tiger because there's never been a professional athlete that has changed sports or has dominated a sport like Tiger um, in terms of changing its dynamics, right? Changing the the audience base, changing the popularity of it changing the um, the econ- the economics of a sport and just his overall determination is pretty unbelievable. Can do I think he's going to win? No, because with the amount of talent that is in the, on the PGA Tour, some of these young studs that are playing, and when you have a player that hasn't played professional golf in over a year and has had such a bad accident and is tackling probably one of the toughest golf courses of all time. Uh, I, he'll compete, but I don't, I, I think there's no way that Tiger is, is going to win this week. I don't know that I've ever seen a, an, uh, I don't know if I want to say famous person, but definitely an athlete. And I don't even want to say fall because he fell and then he came back and he won a few years ago. But is there an athlete that you guys can recall that had such stardom and then 
all of a sudden, you know, he had that, those incidents. And then, you know, the, I mean, he's had, he's had a, 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 a few incidents that, that have kind of, I don't want to say tainted his, his reputation, but I mean, it, it, it kind of tainted his reputation. So I think, I think on a, on a lesser level, you know, Michael Jordan's kind of little fall from grace in the middle nineties through all his, you know, all the, the gambling stuff through him leaving basketball to go play baseball for whatever reason, he said he wanted to change sports and just try something new. When do you leave your own sports that you're on top of the world at when you're chasing big, you know, title after title, you just decide to go play minor league baseball. So, I mean, I mean, Michael Jordan still to me is one of the best athletes that's ever been born on this planet, but he fell from grace a little bit and left the NBA only to come back to win another championship. So I think that's the only guy that I can think of right now, which, which is really crazy because here at Augusta at the masters tigers coming back off of a, probably a what 99.9% of the population would not be able to come back from. I mean, his ankle is literally like torn off of his leg. I mean, he's literally got a bionic ankle and bionic leg that he's trying to come back at after a year. Uh, ben Hogan won the masters a year, uh, two years after he had his major car accident. So it's almost like, you know, Tiger's kind of do trying to do what Ben Hogan did back in the day, who's one of the most legendary golfers on the planet. So, um, you know, it's kind of some interesting, interesting similarities, but you know, Tiger's a competitor, man. I mean, if he was a hockey player, I'd want him on my team. No matter, no, no question about it, but, uh, he's going to work his ass off to try to be up there on top. I just, I just think, I don't think, I don't think he's going to win it, but I think he'll, I think he'll be in the top 20. I think Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan are the only two athletes that you can actually compare to one another when it comes to dominating the sport and changing the sport and building and growing the, the game. You know what I mean? Like hockey. Can I, I don't, throw, I just throw it. Can you throw Tom Brady in this, in this mix? No, I can't. Because football was always, football always has been before Tom Brady and after Tom Brady will always be the, the mega sport. Right. But I'm golf, talking about golf is like a sport. Tom Brady played. I'm not talking dominating. I'm not talking dominating because I would have thrown Gretzky in that. And that how can you not throw Gretz into that mix? When Gretz got traded to the LA Kings, he made hockey cool to do in one of the most um, Hollywood and uh, celebrity um, based towns. And every celebrity wanted to go see hockey instead of going to see, you know, see the movies. That's a great point. So, and, and plus, you know, if Gretzky never scored a goal in the history of the National Hockey League, he'd still be the all all out point leader by a country mile. <laughs> I mean, crazy. nobody dominated a sport like Wayne Gretzky dominated hockey for whatever reason you want to talk about. But those numbers aren't going to be matched. Um, I, st- I stand corrected. I, I stand corrected. I would say that you don't have San Jose. You don't have Anaheim. You don't have Arizona. You, you don't have maybe even... Florida or Tampa without Wayne Gretzky. Well, this is, and it's a, it's a trickle down effect, right? It's because when Eric Lindros came into the league in 1993, I believe it was, and he started making 
three and a half million dollars or three million dollars right before he even played a game. And I believe that same year that Mark Messier was making 1.4, 1.5 million, and he was the MVP of the league. So when Eric Lindros came in and salary disclosure came out, where all of a sudden now you couldn't hide what you were making as a sal- as a salary, because remember before early nineties, you could not as an agent or as a player tell other people what you were making. Salary disclosure was against the rules. And then when and they what, got rid what of what year is this, Jr. This is like 1993 when Eric Lindros came okay. into the into the game. Eric Lindros came in, signed a three and a half million dollar deal as a as a as a draft as a first pick overall draft. Okay, now because of that, because of him coming in and making that kind of money, now all of a sudden Wayne Gretzky can go from making his 1.6, 1.7, Mark Messier from his 1.6, 1.7, which was a ton of money back in the early 90s, to now making. Six, seven, five. That whole regime changed how hockey was was looked at, the way contracts were created, being able to compare one to the other. I mean, and a lot of people gave Ray Bork a lot of shit because Ray Bork always took lower contracts to make sure that his team, um, that he stayed in Boston, that he had more players to play with him. And that hurt other players that couldn't compare salaries because Ray Bork was making such so little that defensemen couldn't make the, the money that they wanted to because they got, well, Ray Bork is making this. How am I going to pay you this? So salary disclosure was a crazy thing in the early 90s. And Eric Lindros sparked it, allowing better players to move, like go crazy. Like did Ray Bork at the time knew, know that he was basically screwing the entire league, the entire, so. all the defensemen? Yeah. He was, and I don't think he. I don't think he t- looked at it that way. I think he just did what he thought was right and what he felt comfortable with, and being loyal to the team. But in hindsight, in hindsight now, the way that the contracts are are looked at and compared to each other, I'm sure he he knew that that a lot of a lot of defensemen lost a lot of money because of the contracts that he signed. Yeah, uh, for sure. Damn, those damn for loyal sure. guys, eh? Those damn unselfish loyal guys. How how uh, can we ever? Ray Bork. Hey, one of the best ever, Ray Bork, man. He's one of the classiest guys of all time. I love Absolutely. Him. From yeah. what I heard, I've never yeah. met him, but that's yeah. that's all you ever hear about him. The only thing I'll say about Gretzky, uh, add about Gretzky, not the only thing I'll say about him, because there's lots to say about him. The only thing I'll add, add to what you said about him is Wayne Gretzky made rollerblading cool. <laughs> when he got out to LA, do you remember the, the, the pictures of him rollerblading and stuff down the boardwalk and all that? Do you remember, did you ever hey, see those listen, pictures? He made rollerblading yeah. cool. Nobody, nobody's had an effect on the game in all aspects bigger than Wayne Gretzky, just like okay. Tiger with, did with, with, uh, with golf, like Jordan did with basketball. Um, these are the iconic, iconic figures that are, or bigger than life. There's no question about it. Let's talk about someone right now. That's uh, that's just changing. He's breaking records up in Toronto, Austin Matthews, American born kid, Jr. And, and he's, he's unbelievable. He tied Rick vibe for 54. He didn't get one last night in a seven, six loss against Florida. They blew a five, one lead. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I mean, what, what a season this guy's having. I mean, and it's not even just this he's season. It's a carryover from last year. Yeah. Career. Um, arguably, 
he's taking he's taking over from Ovechkin as the best goal scorer in the game, without without question. And Ovechkin's still having a great year. Still in the in the thirty, you know, the high thirties. Still pumping the pucks in the net like crazy. But Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the game, in my opinion, and has shown it year after year after year, scoring, you know, forty goals last year in fifty games. Uh, he could have had he could have had seventy five last year. Um, he's going to go down without question as the best American goal scorer of all time, and that and, and he might do it very early in his career. I, I I'm amazed. Who, who is watching it? him play? Who What's has that? scored the most goals? Who's Mike Medano? Mike Medano. Mike Medano is the number one goal scorer. Hey Craig, can you name the first American-born player to score 500 goals? Neil Braun. Nope. <clears throat> Try again. Close. I bet you know Jr. I do. Is it is it Jr.'s era? Uh, yeah. Uh, a, little a little bit. A little bit. Yep. L- what do you mean a little bit? A little bit. A little bit of a crossover. He's older than Jr. Yeah, he comes from New York. Hell's Kitchen, baby. He, you know what? And spe- he grew up. He grew up playing hockey, playing street hockey, street hockey on roller skates with the four wheels. Yep. Not even yep. the roller blades with the the four like the, like the blades. They were like the roller skates. Correct. Come on, Riv. Come he won, on. He, he won a cup with Calgary in 1989. Did he win one with Pittsburgh? Uh, I think was he there? I have to look that up. Come on, I don't know. It was, it you need to learn the history of the too. game, Craig. You really do. It's so good. Where did he play other than Calgary? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Stevens. Nope. He played. He started in, started in Saint Louis. Joey played in Mullen. Calgary. Played Joey in Mullen. Pittsburgh. Joey Mullen. Oh, Joe Joey Mullen. Mullen. Wouldn't have got that one, Joe yeah, Mullen. I but anyway, I, so. Um, Austin Matthews. I mean, you take him off the Leafs and I don't know where the Leafs are. I think they're still a decent team, but I mean, he has to be the Hart trophy winner. Well, they're playing great hockey though. I mean, the, the bounce back season that Mitch Marner has is, is pretty impressive. I mean, that kid's 30 goals. He's about 80, 86, 87 points. Uh, the goal he scored last night against Florida was insane. Shorthanded goal. I don't know if you saw it, but yes, the problem again they're scoring goals like crazy, but again, bet on the over and you're going to win hockey games. You're going to win bets with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can't have a 5-1 lead when you're playing arguably the best team in the league and allow the floodgates to open and not lock it down. They show again that they refuse to play one side of the, of the, of the rink and they get beat, which is going to beat them in the first round of the playoffs if they don't find a way to lock this up. And I don't know what, the, what it is. You can't, in this day and age, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup having shootouts and, and, and you know, have race, horse races like they're trying to have right now. It's, it's crazy. Isn't that what Tortorella was trying to say on ESPN? Uh, is it ESPN or TNT that he's on? I can't remember. Uh, but um, isn't that what he was trying to say in, in reference to Connor McDavid and, and, you know, changing his game in the playoffs along, uh, along those lines, something like that, like maybe more to a team effect that you're mentioning as yeah, opposed to one in, in individual player. Yeah, maybe. And maybe there's some, some truth to that, but you don't make your, you don't make your example with Connor McDavid. 
You let Connor McDavid do that. You you make your example with every other with the other nineteen players on your team, not Connor McDavid. That's kind of a ridiculous thing to say with in that aspect. But yes, in that in that tone, you're not going to win. You know, seven six six five in the in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. Why can't Why can't Toronto realize this? You know, you're up you're up five one. It's not even you're like halfway through the game. And you're going to tell me that Florida is going to come back and win seven, six in overtime. Like where is the urgency to play defense on this team? I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's not. And it's, it's, and, and what's really bad rib is to turn it around and just play defense and do it at a switch flip of the switch. doesn't happen. It has to be a. It has to. You have to build up to it. You have to get it ingrained in your mind as a team. You have to do it. Um, they are. Yes, they're playing good hockey. They've won a lot of games lately. But if they don't start playing a both both sides playing a two hundred foot game, they're 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 going to get ousted very quickly again this year's playoffs. I'm I'm wondering if if maybe they can sneak by a first round. It's all going to come down to who they play, but I mean, do, do we want to see Toronto advance? I, look, I, this has nothing to do with me being Canadian. I'm not a Leaf fan, but I, I'd love to see the Leafs do well um, because the league is good when the Leafs are good. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we all know when, when, when we were playing back in the salary cap uh, after one of the, the, the 05 lockout, um, or 0405 lockout, you're sitting there saying like all the teams that you want in the playoffs, the Leafs are one of them. You know, all the, play, you know, all the players that are out of the playoffs want to see the Leafs do well, but I don't know. I mean, I, I like Shanahan. I'm a Shanahan fan. So, I mean, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that, you know, he can, he can build something there that might have some success, but I, I don't know, but it looks, it just, like you said, they're playing well. And I just wonder Who's if the maybe, best matchup for the Leafs. Who's the best matchup for the Leafs right now? They sit, they currently sit second in the Atlantic, which means as of right now, if uh, tomorrow they played in the playoffs, they would be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. That being said, the Boston Bruins, who's sitting in the first wild card spot, is tied with Tampa Bay in points at 93. So there's, there's still um, 12 games left. Yeah, they don't want to play Boston. They don't want to play Boston. Okay. No. Because you know why? Because Boston has that, that, that jinx on them. It's in their head. They've, t- they've taken them out of the playoffs in some dramatic series. And, and whether Toronto is better than Boston, Boston can play defense a lot better than Tampa can. And I think Tampa can get caught getting into one of those horse races and one of those offensive battles like they did the other night. Toronto handled them pretty easily the other night in, in Tampa and could be a better matchup than a team that can lock it down defensively like Boston can and frustrate you. Well, what Boston has is they have two of the best defenders in the National Hockey League playing together, but they're also guys that produce a tremendous amount of points, and that's Brad Marchand and that's uh, Patrice Bergeron. Those two guys are going to be playing against Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner throughout the entire playoffs. And these are two guys that have won a Stanley cup before they have performed in the playoffs. They perform throughout a season. It's going to be a really difficult matchup yeah. for Austin Matthews, I, I, even I though he's so dynamic. I, JR, did, I, did I, you, I totally agree. did you see the Marshawn hit on Andrew peak the other night? 
I didn't. Remember, oh, you I didn't. Don't, I don't. I remember. I don't watch hockey on television. I watch hockey on my phone just to see who's scoring. Yeah, go 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 check that out. I'd love I'd love to know your your thoughts on that next time we have you on. I mean, it's just a lot of lot of people, you know, raging about it because it's Marshawn and league's not going to do anything about it. But he cranked this guy pretty good. And um, I personally, I mean, I, I blame the guy getting hit. You know, we you know what we don't do anymore. I'll tell you what we don't do anymore in this game is we don't put the onus on the guy getting hit. Well, they did for a little bit over in the in the middle in the middle 2010s, like 2014, 2015, they, it, it, they put into the rule the accountability of the guy that gets hit, putting themselves in a precarious position. And that's the problem with, with a lot of kids these days is they're not taught how to take hits. They literally put themselves in these positions with their head down coming through the middle or they get near the boards and they turn their back to the boards on a hit rather than staying in and cushioning the blow picking themselves up, letting the glass be their, be their buffer. And, and they literally are as much to blame as the person who's going to hit the person. And they don't do that anymore because they're trying to prevent concussions and prevent people from getting hurt. So they want to attack the hitter more than the hitty. And I don't, I totally agree with you. I think that's wrong. I think it's totally wrong. I think the way the game is looked at, and I, I just said this, I did a, an interview here in Buffalo like half an hour ago on, on a radio show, and I, they asked me about the Marchand hit, and I just said, you know what? I said, when, when are we going to put the onus on the guy getting hit? I mean, if you're going to come down the boards to make a play and then open your body up right as you're releasing the puck, do you not think you're going to get killed? I mean, it's, it's, hockey's still a contact sport. I said, if you don't like that, you need to go watch baseball. But it's yeah. just, it's just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be ready to get hit and you have to expect to get hit and you have to protect yourself in order to do that. And to put yourself and literally to turn your back so that you're looking, facing the boards so that the player hits you in the back two feet from the boards, probably not a smart thing to do. Um, you know, I was always, I would always just to come up and get as, as straight up as I can and get as close to the boards as I can so I can cushion the blow, right? And then bounce back off it. Um, but nowadays, I don't think, I, I just think whether kids are, are not as smart or, or they're more chicken shit, so they try to bail out so they don't get hit. And when that happens, that, that's when you get into, into more of trouble. Um, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot to it, but I totally agree. It's, the onus has to be on both players. And, but that's, Obviously that would, that's, that's common sense. And that's got, yeah. that's totally, that's totally left the building in every aspect of. Oh, of the, oh, the world is lacking common sense. JR, the world is lacking. There is no common, common sense. It's no. gone. Common <laughs> sense has left the building. Yeah. It you know, the, thing is, the, the thing is on that Andrew peak hit, you know, you, you can watch it, you can watch it a hundred times and, and in the hundred, you're going to have varying opinions as you watch it more and more and more. Um, you know, Andrew Peake does what 99.9% of defensemen are going to do when a puck's rimmed around the boards. They're going to go down the boards. They're going to keep that puck in at all costs. That's, that, that's what your job is. And sometimes you've heard this analogy that you need to take a hit to make a play. So Andrew, Andrew Peake needs to, you know, do what he has to do as a defenseman and make sure that he's keeping that puck in. The problem is, I mean, he, he leaves himself open for a body check. 
He knows that he's going to get hit. It just happened to be a really stiff body check by Brad Marchand. It's not a so, real so, big guy. So I asked you this question because I didn't see it, Riv or Petey. Yeah. Does Marchand does Marchand leave his feet? No. Does he raise his elbows up over the over the shoulders? No. No, it follows through after, but that's just a stabilizer. We know yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a, this was a feet, really strong, clean body check. Well, and and what happened, Jr. is. Once the hit was made, there was no there was no hit to the head, which is the most important thing. But the head whiplash back and hit the glass, and that's why he got hurt. It, it's not yeah. from it was from the his head probably hitting the glass, and he probably has a concussion. Not from a head contact. It's from him getting hit, taking the check. It was it was a real stiff check, and his head whipped back and get hit the glass. Did Marshawn get a penalty? I don't think he got a penalty, right, Petey? It's good. He had a couple penalties that game. I don't know if there was a penalty on that play, to be quite honest with you. But I, I because a I, lot of times, because a lot of times the referees will make a call just by the sound and just by the by the looks of the after effect of a hit, rather than yeah. whether the hit was really a legal hit, which is bullshit to tell you the truth. Which is why some of these referees, these new referees, need to really take into consideration. Uh, watching the actual hits and whether you can go to a replay and see whether the head contact or whether it was an illegal hit and make sure that you get the call right. I know people don't like to have the replays and have it stop the game, but if you want to take away all this, all these, all these, you know, these bad hits and these suspensions and all that stuff, make sure you get the call right, especially when it's a, a predominant player like Marshawn that would prop that could have gotten kicked out of the game by a ref making a, a judgment that it was a headshot when it really wasn't. Uh, someone's retiring after the year and it's his name is Ryan Getzlaff. And you guys had an unbelievable career. And I guess I ask you guys, JR, I'll ask you first, is he a hall of famer? Stanley cup champ, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, uh, he won the, uh, was it the, the world cup? The World Cup, World Championships too. See a Hall so of Famer. He, um, so again, these are one of these. Um, these are one of these. Uh, I guess you know who who likes you, who doesn't like you. Um, situations. Me personally, I think he's a Hall of Famer because of the way he played. When you win a Stanley Cup, when you win the Olympics, you're captain of a team, and you stay in one place your entire career. Now, through his stats and his goals and his assists, do they? Um, 1,150 games, 282 goals, 731 assists, 1,013 those are, those are Those are not Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, you, I, 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 with the exception of maybe Guy Carboneau, find me a player in the Hall of Fame that's played as long as Getzlaff that has that many, that, that fewer goals. Now, for me... Playing against Ryan Getzlaff was horrible because he was mean, he was tough, he was talented, he'd get in your face, he'd yell at you. I mean, Ribs, Ribs and I saw him way too many times in our time in San Jose and, yeah. and not fun to play against, Ribs. I'm sure you didn't like him coming down at you in the corner when no. you were chasing the puck back into the corner because he's, he will hit you and hit you hard. I love Ryan Getzlaff. I always have. 
He's the ultimate competitor. He's a great leader. Uh, but I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer, depending on who likes you. Because obviously we have found that whether they like you or not is going to determine more whether you get in the Hall of Fame rather than maybe your stats. Yeah. I'm, uh, listen, I remember the day that this guy came into the National Hockey League back in, in, in 2005, 2006. The year before that, he played uh, in the World Juniors on that storied World Junior Canadian team that uh, had, you know, Sidney Crosby and, and, um, and uh, who's a uh, uh, Perry. Like, I mean, it was just absolutely stacked with, with uh, elite NHLers that went on to have incredible careers in the NHL. Um, I think Ryan Gatzlaff has been one of the best two-way centers in the national hockey league with a size of six, four to 20. He is, he can play a physical uh, demanding uh, brand of hockey, but he's also a power play specialist that had a beautiful shot and was able to set up guys. Hence Corey, Corey Perry scoring, you know, many, many goals with them. He, he could fight. He could do everything. I liked it. But my opinion is, yeah, I mean, I agree with Jr. and I would just almost side that I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think that he was just, he's in a category right under it. I mean, and it's going to be about who loves Ryan Getzloff and what he, and the style that he played. But do I think he's, uh, uh, you know, do I think he's a uh, Hall of uh Hall of Famer, you know, he, he had one year where he scored 31 goals. That was his best year in the National Hockey League. The next year, his best year was 25 goals. That's not a Hall of Famer. It's not a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, yes, he's had some pretty good years. I think the best year he had in the National Hockey League was 91 points in 81 games. You know, his uh, his fourth year in the National Hockey League was a real young buck at the time. But, I mean, he has been a – I just don't think he's put up the points and the goals to to match a Hockey Hall of Fame career. All right. But I, but I love him. I, I, I loved Ryan Gatzloff. JR, is there is there a player that you played against your entire career that's in the Hall of Fame that you just sit there and think like, how is this guy in there before me? Or how is this guy in there at all? And if you don't want to say if you don't want to answer that, you don't have to. Well, but I, I I don't I don't well, I mean I mean it, I I I I raise my eyebrow of Matt Sundin going in first ballot. Now I think Matt Sundin is his numbers are Hall of Fame numbers. There's no question. But Matt Matt Sundin never won a Stanley Cup, and uh, I think he won a gold medal with Sweden in the middle early 2000s, 2006, maybe I think it was. Um, but I I I I'm, I was shocked that he was a first ballot, a first ballot. Now you, a lot of people say it's because he played in Toronto as long as he did because it was where he played because of the media, because of, of that, that, that aspect, um, you know, watching, I, and again, nothing against Guy Carbono. He was a great defensive guy. He won Stanley cups. Um, you know, kind of surprised that he, that he went in before me, 
not to say that he doesn't deserve it, but, um, is Eric Lindros, is Eric Lindros, is, should he be in the hall of fame with a shortened career with no Stanley cups? He did win scoring titles. He did win at a cut like MVP, but he won an Olympic medal, but he didn't win a Stanley cup and his numbers. I mean, obviously they're good points per game numbers, but his career was, was what 11, 12 years. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. These are the questions that, that I ask, you know, are why they're there, you know, maybe before somebody like me who is an American fourth all time in points ever third all time in goals ever. And, you know, one, you know, won a silver medal, didn't win a Stanley cup was on for the Calder did a lot of things that there's a lot of PD. Let me, let me things, ask you a question. You know? Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You be honest with me here. Okay. I'm going to read you some stats. And you tell me what your thoughts are after 61 games, four goals, 79 games, 14 goals, 42 games, five goals, 71 games, eight goals, 73 games, five goals, 77 games, seven goals, 74 games, four goals, 69 games, 10 goals. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. That's Guy Carboneau's goal numbers. Are you shitting me that this guy is in the National Hockey uh, Hockey Hall of Fame? Give me a freaking break, man. What an absolute joke. Well, it, it, takes away, it takes away the earlier mentality of, what, what of how you get in, of how you get into the Hall of Fame. They say you need to win a cup. They say you need to do something on the international stage. And they say you have to have a, an echelon of goals or points. That's, that's, it's, a, it's a new protocol now in the Hall of Fame. And it's not all of what you've done on the ice, unfortunately. But hey, listen, that's, that's the way they want to do it. That's, 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 Daniel Alfredson's that's not in there yet, right? I saw his name on a ballot. He didn't get in, did he? Not yet. No, but it's going to happen soon. It's oh. going to happen before me. It's going to happen before me. That's just that's, so not that, right. That's 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 really going to make my head pop right off my head. That's I can't wait for that shoulders. show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that because that's just that's just not right. I think you know what I think. Uh, you know, Shanahan was a second balloter. I thought he should have been maybe a first ballot. No. Was he a first ballot guy? You think? I know he went in second ballot, but he—I mean, I don't know. Maybe because he was working well, how, for the. Well, listen, Shanny. Shanny was always on the right side of politics, and always, always made sure that he was on the good graces of the National Hockey League and anybody who was associated with the National Hockey League. So it doesn't surprise me that he got in. So, and by the way, he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, his, look at his goals. Look at his points. He's won Stanley Cups. He's the way he's been he played. On, yeah, the way he played. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. He should have been a, probably a first ballot. But how is Dave Andrichuk? How did it take him 11 or 12 years to get in? Dave Andrichuk. He's, he's been on international teams. He won a Stanley Cup. What did he score? 600 and, 680 goals? Something like that. He's up there. And it took him, and it took him 13 or 14 years, 13 years before he got into the Hall of Fame. That blows my mind. How how is Pierre Turgeon, in terms of numbers, not in the Hall of Fame? 
He's played on international teams. He's played on Olympic teams. He'd never won a cup. But look at his points. I think he's the only guy that has more points than me that's not in the Hall of Fame right now. Pierre Turgeon. So mm. you kind of wonder. I, I, don't, I don't understand. You know, Steve Larmer. If points and Stanley Cups and career have anything to do with it, why isn't Steve Larmer? Theo Fleury. You know, there's, there's another guy. Theo Fleury. Another guy. Yeah. No, I think, I think there are guys out there that are, are legitimately getting the shaft. I think the whole system needs to be revamped, but I, I mean, the, you know, the conversation sparked with Ryan Getzlaff because it's a conversation that's going on. He's had a storied career. He's had a great career hall of fame, maybe down the road, but I, I don't, uh, I don't think right away. Jr. will, uh, we, you know who we have, uh, you know, who we're going to interview today, Jr. Let me know if you have any questions for him. We're going to have Kevin Adams on in a little bit. Oh, I love, love, love Kevin. I love ads. What should we be asking him? Well, number one, what made you keep your team intact? What, what did you see about your team that, that made you not make any big moves at the trade deadline? To me, that's a big, and I think Riv made a really good point last week in that episode saying that he said, listen, we're going to go with the guys that we're going to have here. We're going to learn how to play together. And what Riv said last week is coming to fruition even more so because he said, if the Buffalo Sabres come out with at least one win out of the next five, that they are the real deal. They are two and oh, they beat Nashville and then they beat Carolina last night. This they team, put up a hell of a fight against and, Florida. And re- yeah. And against Florida, they, they, they were in it t- until, you know, till right third year when Duclair scored that big goal and, but they, they battled back. They got back within one, one goal. It was 4-3, and then they, they got an, a late goal to, to, to kind of lose it. But they were competitive all the way in there. Um, that, that would be the one, one of the questions that I have. Number two is, what, like, what are you going to do in the offseason that is going to keep this momentum going? Right? What, what is he going to do? Where does he think he needs the most help? in the off season to not to not to mess up the, 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 you know, what they have going right now, the mojo, but to, you know, to make the guys excited about coming back next September. I mean, you have to think that with the way they're finishing right now or the way they're playing to date, they have a gauntlet of games are going to run here against some of the best teams in the league, but they just dealt with one last night. Um, you have to think that in the back of his mind, he's looking at making a few moves in the off season that maybe might get this team, this fan base and the players and the management all thinking that maybe there's a shot at the wild card. Like, is it possible to go from being so bad just last season to a, a potential wild card playoff spot in a short period of time? Uh, in oh, this league now, look what, look, look what Colorado did a few years back. They were oh, the worst great example. The they, were, they were the worst team in the league. And within one year became one of the top teams in the league. I mean, like yeah. from one to one, from, from 31 to one. And it was, it was, the you want to know how this changes. team, you want to know how this team makes a major move next year is the continuation, and we've, we've heard this for years, the continuation and growth of the young players, the Krebs, the Cousins, the Tage Thompsons, the, the players of that nature. But you're going to make a major jump 
if all those guys come back and take the next jump up, but you also insert a player like Jack Quinn and Owen Power, and those guys have seasons that are not rookie seasons. They're, you know, Calder Cup, uh, yeah. you know, or Calder yeah. Trophy. They have an instant effect. In the sense they have that instant, instant effect. Instant effect. Jack Quinn comes in and scores 25 and puts up 25 assists for 50 points. You've got Owen Power, who's logging 20, you know, five minutes a night and putting up 40 points, you know, and you're solidifying areas and, and elevating the whole entire team. That's when you're going to start to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I first want you to make sure that you tell Kevin that I love him and he's, he's, I had so much fun being a teammate of his. And I'm proud that he's uh, that he's staying tough and battling a very very tough situation. And I'm hope that that, that the he sees they all see the light at the end of the tunnel and they expand on it. So that's what I'm hoping. But um, fresh my memory. I, Where did you guys I, cross paths? Out in L.A. Oh, okay. 2005, 2006. We, we okay. together in L.A. Uh, we we sat next to each other in the locker room. Um, we had a great great friendship, and I I, I think he's awesome. I love him to death. Um, I want to, I want, I know we probably don't have too much time. We've been going, I, I want to make sure that we hit on something that bothered me beyond bother this past week, which I think is one of the most disrespectful things that I've seen in the national hockey league in a long time. And something I think is going to hurt one of my favorite teams of all time. That's the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, never would I want to say anything bad about the Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm not going to say anything bad about their organization because they have a great organization, but I am going to say that Mike Yo is a piece of shit. Okay. And I'm saying that because what they did to Keith Yandel, and I don't care how old Keith Yandel is. I don't how care how bad he's playing right now. The whole team is not good. The whole team is going to miss the playoffs this year. They are one of the, they're, they're the last in their division. They're not going to make the playoffs. And you take a guy like Keith Yandel, and I know he's minus 30 something, but he's on a terrible team. He doesn't stop everything. And you have a guy who is 14 games shy of playing 1,000 games straight without missing a game. He is now the long, the, the Iron Man of, well, not, he's the Iron Man leader of the National Hockey League. Now, you guys well know as well as I do how hard it is to play in this game without getting hurt, without playing it, without paying it, playing with pain. And for Keith Yandel to play 986 games straight without missing a game, playing through pain playing with broken bones, playing when he's probably putting his own, his own health and his future health ahead, uh, you know, behind the team and doing what he had to do to play that many games. We celebrate in the national hockey league or the national hockey league celebrates. I don't want to say we, as me being part of the national hockey, league, but the national hockey league celebrates a thousand games as what an amazing accomplishment they have ceremonies for it. Keith Yandel had the opportunity to play in a thousand straight games without missing one. And Mike Yo 
and the Philadelphia Flyers healthy scratch him and end a story, story landmark is one of the most disgusting, disrespectful things that I have seen in coaching in a long time. And I'm trying to be a little bit calm. I'm taking my. You are PTSD. couching your words because I, I can sense how angry you are. You want to let her rip, I, but I think you're being. I'm taking. I'm taking my friendship of Keith Yandel out of it. If this was anybody in the National Hockey League, I would be saying the same thing. Now the reason, oh, we need to have some young guys go in and play. What? Okay. What? Okay. That's great. Then play seven fucking D. And sit him on the bench, let him play three or four shifts, play 7D, and play 11 forwards, and let him finish out the, the, the last 14 games of, of the season, which he'll probably retire after this season, and let him finish playing every single game and keeping that Iron Man streak. But no, the personal accomplishments now in pro sports, and especially, I think, in the National Hockey League, don't matter. Uh, we referenced your story the other day about Mr. 1499, Mike Medano and Mike Babcock scratching him there in Detroit. That, that was, that was the, one of the worst. Also that yeah. one game from yeah. 1500 from 1500, you get scratched. This is the second, this is this, this actually, this is worse than that because, <laughs> because nobody, nobody has played as many games in a in consecutive without missing one than Keith Yandel. He had a chance to play a thousand games without missing a game. And you guys, you and I know how difficult that is. That is virtually impossible. That might not, that record might not be broken again. It was, and, it was hard for me to stay in the lineup for 10 straight games. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, but the disrespect and to throw that away just so carelessly just to get a couple young guys, some, some playing time that will get playing time that could have got playing time with altering maybe the roster a little bit is such a lack of respect to, to me. Now you tell me this, Do you, what would you guys say the percentage of the national hockey league players that are in the league right now or past look at that decision and say, are you kidding me? Are you One, serious? 100%. And how, many, and how many players playing now? Okay. Because by the way, Philadelphia Flyers are in some trouble. They don't have much in the background in terms of the minors. They need players to come as free agents in the summer. And they need to revamp their team. They just traded away their top player and their captain in Claude Drew. Now what you're doing is you have a coach like Mike Yo, and granted, I don't think Mike Yo is going to be the coach there next year. I sure hope he's not after this bullshit move that he just pulled. But who is going to come to the Philadelphia Flyers as a free agent to play for a guy like Mike Yo, who obviously doesn't give a shit about the player or the player's accomplishments as respect? Yeah. Is my question. No, I, I, now, I, I, I love the Flyers. The Flyers, I'm the Flyers. Are, I'm a passionate, passionate Flyers fan. Passionate, and I'm not wreck, and I'm not wrecking the Flyers organization, but I am wrecking the person who decided to end one of the one of the most unbelievable 
accomplishments and streaks that the National Hockey League has ever seen. And shame on them. I, uh, I appreciate that rant. And uh, I can definitely say that our listeners and everyone will probably say loud and clear. JR, I, I, just, I don't like correcting people because it makes it uncomfortable. But we'll, we'll chalk this one up to, and this will be the title of this episode. We'll chalk it up to concussions and Caesars. But you played with Kevin in Phoenix, not in LA. Was it Phoenix? Yeah. Okay, concussions is, and Caesars. Concussions. Concussions. Okay. Not Caesars because this is only one. This is just one. That's all right. But it, it, you know what? For sure. It makes for a better title though. Concussions and Caesars. Have a great but day, still, buddy. Enjoy he's, Augusta. He's still, sat, he's still sat right next to me and I still love him. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 listen, I knew, I knew you guys cross. I believed you cross paths, but I went and I was like, did Kevin play in LA? And then I went and looked and it was, it was Phoenix, but you know what? We'll definitely tell him that you love him. Thanks for your time today, buddy. Awesome. Enjoy Augusta. Enjoy. Can't wait to hear the stories. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the stories next week. We'll see you, JR. Good Good show, guys. See ya. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.